Roots Connections on Q. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. every other Wednesday on Q95, the big station. Dominicans journeyed beyond our shores for decades in search of economic opportunities and educational advancement. Many are ready to give back to their cherished nature island. Welcome to Roots Connections on Q. Join Dr. Simone Matthew on Q95 as we tap into the life and times and expertise of our Nature Island Dominicans at home and abroad. From our agriculture and industry to sustainable development, resilience and renewable energy to the music, art and entertainment industries. Join Dr. Simone Matthew and guests every other Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. We examine where they came from, where they have been, where they are now and how we can move forward forward together with our brothers and sisters at home and abroad to inspire and elevate our country, our economy, our people, and our youth to achieve excellence and success. Roots Connections on Q, every other Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., only on Q95, the big station. Good evening, good evening, a pleasant good evening to you, our Q95 listeners at home and abroad. It is great to be back with you for another episode of Roots Connections on Q, right here on Q95, the big station. Uh, whether you're joining us from at home or abroad, we hope that you're in good health and great spirits. And you know, it seems like just about every day now, we are hearing about another complaint about law enforcement and the way the Dominicans are being treated by the police department of Dominica. And as a matter of fact, if, even while preparing for this program today, we heard of yet another incident where a young man was um, assaulted for simply not wearing a mask. And we're just very concerned. It seems like the police in Dominica seems to be very angry. And we just have to have these conversations to get down to the bottom of policing and law enforcement in Dominica. So today, uh, we, our expert panel is here with us from Dominica, the U.S. and the U.K. to discuss what are the best practices in law enforcement. So again, we are looking at what are the best practices in law enforcement. Uh, this topic, again, especially important because tomorrow, September 15th, is being observed at, as worldwide, is being observed, I'm sorry, at, as International uh, Democracy Day. And we can all agree that the police and law enforcement are supposed to protect our democratic rights as citizens. Uh, as always, we are grateful for our Dominican brothers and sisters who take time out of their busy schedules to share their expertise and experience as we address topics of national and personal importance. But before we get started, let us just say a special good evening to Mr. Lambert Charles, affectionately known as Lambie, who, as we know, is currently in not the best of health, and he's currently seeking medical care. And we're also keeping our prayers, our brothers and sisters at home and abroad, who are not in the best of health right now. So again, this is Roots Connections on Q, uh, right here on Q95, the big station. This is episode number 32. 
for today, September 14th, 2022, and I am your host, Simone Matthew. If you're joining us on Facebook and YouTube Live, uh, good evening to you. Uh, if you're listening but you're interested in, join, in joining what I am most likely, what, what certainly is going to be a very engaging conversation on Facebook and YouTube, you can join us on Facebook at Q95 FM Radio and Push Past 10 as well as YouTube on Q95 FM Radio. So welcome, let us welcome our panel to the discussion as they unmute their mics as they greet us and they give us a two minute introduction uh, to tell us, you know, where in Dominica they're from, uh, where they are joining us from and the experience and expertise in the area of law enforcement. And I'm sure there will be no objections if we have ladies first. So we have Lieutenant Commander uh, Renee Francis of the New York the, uh, Police Department with us. Quite an honor to have all our guests today because these are long serving uh, law enforcement officials who have ascended to the highest ranks of law enforcement. So, lieutenants, good evening to you, and just introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Renee Francis. I am from the village of Sufria in the south. Um, I was born and raised in Dominica, and I left um, at the age of 17 to pursue my studies in New York. And uh, um, I stayed and I am currently employed with the NYPD. I am a lieutenant commander of a detective squad. I work in the intelligence bureau and um, I've been in law enforcement for over 12 years now. Um, and I'm just happy to be here to have this discussion with you. Yes, thank you, Lieutenant. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Dr. Michael, and a special thank you because you're all, all the way out in the UK where it is the wee hours of the morning. So thank you for your commitment and dedication to Dominica by remaining up with us to be a part of this conversation. Just, so just tell us a little bit about you and your expertise. I think you're muted. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is David Michael. I hail from Bellevue Chopin, which is where I went to primary school. Um, I served for 30 years in the London Metropolitan Police Service and was promoted to the rank of Detective Chief Inspector. So uh, in my very rich and varied career, I investigated uh, Serious international and organized crime, homicides, uh, rape, serious sexual offenses, kidnappings, uh, abductions. I was head of a police child protection team, investigating complaints against other police officers, which I think in the USA you refer to as um, internal affairs. Um, I've had uh, wide contact with um, policing overseas, attending conferences in the USA, uh, Canada, South Africa, was headhunted for a conference in uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and I was headhunted by the International Labour Organization in Geneva, Switzerland to present a uh, paper on developing human resources in 
public emergency services. I have uh, been involved in comparative policing seminars in Dominica, especially with the CID, when uh, Superintendent Duke Sabra was head of CID in Dominica. And uh, um, before the pandemic, I was um, utilised by the government of Dominica to do some community policing work with the Dominica Police Force. I've also done comparative policing work with um, Mauritius and Rodrigue Police. Yes. Go ahead. After my police career, I was fully engaged as a chair of a community police engagement group. Uh, that's uh, police working in partnerships with local residents, community groups and organisations. And I was an elected local councillor in southeast London when I also chaired a council committee, which was the Safer, Stronger Communities Select Committee. Yes, thank you, Dr. Michael. Thank you for being here. And we also have a retired superintendent of the Dominica Police Department, Mr. Nicholas George with us. Mr. George, thank you for joining us um, this evening. Just give us a quick introduction of who you are. Good evening, Dr. Matthew. Uh, good evening to our listeners. And good evening to my fellow panelists, uh, Lieutenant Commander Rainey and uh, Dr. Michael. I think our paths have crossed yeah. in, in other times. We didn't always agree on, on what was being said, but we understood and respected each other. Um, I hail from the village of Kualiho and uh, joined the police force uh, a long time ago and left a long while ago. <laughs> I served for 39 and a half years. I retired as a superintendent of police. But during that service, I was appointed to act in the position of chief, uh, deputy chief police, deputy chief of police. And um, in my latter years, I, I, I I was the operations officer of the police force. I also commanded different divisions in the police force and served at the RSS as a staff officer for plans and intelligence. And I also served at the CARICOM desk for um, Cricket World Cup 2007, the security desk that formulated the security plan to host Cricket World Cup 2007 in, in the West Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mr. George. Thank you, Dr. Michael. Thank you, Lieutenant um, Francis. Thank you for being here for this important conversation. So again, um, good evening to everyone who's joining us via Q95 Radio, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live. And again, on Facebook, we are Q95 FM Radio because we know that you will be actively engaged. As a matter of fact, I am seeing that the Facebook audience is already coming in. I see Simeon Joseph is with us. Owen Prosper, uh, Dorian Dorival, Sandra Norris. So good evening to you guys coming in. As you do, don't forget to share the live. Let everyone know that we are 
prepare and we are ready for discussion. And remember to check out q95da.com for all the best in programming, including the last episode of this program that we had on the financing of education at every level. And as always, we are grateful for Mr. G and the Q95 family for the opportunity to be here every second and fourth Wednesday as we continue to tap into our human resources, our Dominican experts at home and abroad to discuss topics of national importance. And we continue the work of re reversing the brain drain that Dominican and the Caribbean region have experienced over decades. Because I think that we're now seeing that we can now all make virtual contributions to the development of Dominica and the Caribbean. We want to say good evening to DJ Sean, showing Norris, and the rest of the staff who are holding it down for us over at the Q95 uh, studios. As you already know, one of the main goals of this program is to look at how various fields and industries and different aspects of our lives are changing and evolving and what are the implications and the impact of those changes. So we have another packed two hours of programming for you as we explore again best practices in law enforcement. So what are the most effective and humane options for law enforcement? And are we seeing those options being practiced in Dominica? So as you can tell, we have a lot to get through um, this evening. So we are looking forward to you being a part of the conversation, whether you call in via the radio or you um, send us a message on Facebook. But before we get started, just a quick update on our Dominica Child Protection Society uh, that we use to honor the memory of Kanisha Etienne. And we empower our Dominican young children to speak up to use their voices to protect themselves from the predators in our society. So we wanna thank everyone who continues to reach out to us to join the movement. Uh, those who recently came aboard, including the Bradford House, Dominica Foundation, a foundation which uses creativity to teach children how to express themselves, as well as Mrs. Gillian LaRocque and the author of the book that we use for our interactive sessions. If you touch, I'll tell Dr. Shamina has also come aboard. So again, we are all in this together. We have to continue fighting this battle to protect our children. So if you're interested in joining the movement, don't forget you can reach me at pushpast10 at gmail.com, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T-1-0 at gmail.com. So let's get into the program. Um, everyone is set and ready to go. Let's get into the program. So as we get started with our program tonight, I think it is important to have a better understanding of just what are we referring to when we talk about law enforcement. So here's the question for the panel. Um, let us begin by putting into perspective the role and the function of law enforcement. Let's talk about the various departments which encompasses law enforcement. What are the various roles of each department? So let's hand it over to the panel as we begin the conversation. What is law enforcement? Um, I guess I'll start it off. I would say in its, um, I would say as a basic statement, overall law enforcement is ensuring that the public is safe as well as the police officers and it's ensuring that laws are 
followed. Um, and to me, it also encompasses community policing to ensure that laws are followed where we utilize the community to get to the end goal, which is ensuring the safety. So it comes down to safety and it comes down to ensuring the laws are not broken. And that's how you get the overall goal. And that's what I see law enforcement as. That's the basic statement I have for that. Yes, thank you for that, uh, Lieutenant. Dr. Michael, Mr. George? Well, in the Dominica context, um, I think uh, law enforcement is enshrined in the Constitution of Dominica and the Dominica Police Act. The Dominica Police Act explicitly um, details the rights and responsibilities of the Commissioner of Police, the Chief of Police, in uh, uh, maintaining discipline and directing the officers of the Dominica Police Force. The uh, Dominica Police Act also expressly states the oath of office that every police officer in Dominica takes on their appointment. And uh, so law enforcement uh, includes crime prevention, crime detection, crime detection and bringing offenders to justice. And as much as the Constitution and the laws charges the law enforcement uh, and the law protectors with those responsibilities, they cannot do it without the help, support and participation of local residents and citizens and uh, people in neighbourhoods. So, uh, law enforcement means that those who take the oath of office and those who get paid to uh, protect us under the law and according to their oath of office and according to the mission statement, the Dominica Police Force should be doing that efficiently and effectively. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Thank you. Mr. George. Yeah, law enforcement uh, requires that uh, those persons engaged, the police officers engaged, employed to enforce the law, first must obey. Okay, so uh, they are not free to disobey the law because they are enforcing it. They must enforce it with obedience from themselves first. They must be the example because the enforcement requires is imposing that duty on the citizenship to act responsibly, respectfully, and to obey the laws of the land. That's what you want in the country. So therefore, to enforce the law, you need the cooperation of the citizenry. To do that, you need their respect to get the respect of the citizenry in law enforcement, you must earn it. The police officer must earn it. And the citizen must also see the police officer as a law enforcer who has earned respect and therefore can speak to them with authority. 
if the if this bond is not there then you 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 have law enforcement but you have it selectively you have it abusively and you have it discriminatively and uh, it is law enforcement it's just that you may not achieve the modicum of peace and law and order that you require within a society Yes, thank you for that. So I think we're already seeing that we're saying that law enforcement is not only about protecting against, protection against criminals and predators and those with uh, nefarious intentions, but I think we can all agree that it is about safety and security and people feeling safe, people not feeling fearful of the police, not feeling fearful that they will become victims of the police like we saw today. And I have to go back to the case um, today because it sounds like this was an unprovoked attack where the young man was simply not wearing a mask. And from what we're hearing, there were police officers right there in the court not wearing masks. Yet this one police officer chose to attack this young man for simply not wearing his case. And I think sometimes, you know, we spend a lot of times criticizing America, but what we, we would have seen in a case like that would have been a press conference where the police department is talking about how this person is going to be disciplined. This police officer is going to be disciplined for violating the rights of this young man, but we haven't heard anything from the police department. So even before we get into the conversation, guys, I think, what are your thoughts on what we see in Dominica in terms of police transparency, in terms of when something happens that is of concern to the citizens, we see the police come out in quick time to inform us so that we continue to feel safe, we continue feel, to feel protected. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, I'd like to come in here because the matter you have brought up it sounds very disturbing. Yes, it is. Um, what I wouldn't like to do is to broad brush the whole of the Dominica police force because of one incident, however Absolutely. awful it's. And uh, as you say, uh, uh, unfortunately, some of us haven't had the opportunity to hear the full facts. So it doesn't sound right. Um, Part of the duties of the chief of police, the commissioner, uh, and it's expressly stated in the Police Act of Dominica, is to keep good order of the Dominica police force. So he's, uh, he's mandated by law to keep uh, a disciplined uh, and effective uh, police force. And so if anything, it has, uh, and what I can be clear about is that, uh, again, the laws may uh, provide that officers can use force in certain circumstances, but what is totally not access acceptable under any circumstances is the use of excessive force uh, beyond the rule of law. Yes, thank you for that. So, Lieutenant, um, what do you think would have been the response in a case like that where um, a citizen's right was clearly violated, what would have been the NYPD's response? Would they have made at least a statement to the public to say that we're investigating the matter, that we've called in the, the officer, he's potentially on desk duty? What would have been the response of the NYPD? Um, 
I mean, in kind of like what Dr. Michael spoke about, um, the difficulties of analyzing these situations is having multiple different sources, but also not necessarily having all the facts. So in that case, we hear, oh, there was someone who wasn't wearing a mask. A police officer approached and used excessive force, and that was it. We generally don't get every single step unless there's some sort of video evidence, some sort of body-worn camera that shows, oh, it was an approach where he initially asked correctly and said, hey, please wear your mask. Then what happens is in that interaction, a lot of sometimes many people distrust the police officers. So they're already on the defense and then they engage in a basically a, a, a verbal back and forth. Tensions are raised. Officers now feel unsafe. And then now a force option is used. So sometimes we see what we see or what we heard is not actually what occurred. And so sometimes we have to be careful of not um, um, right away prosecuting the officers without even getting an interview. So in larger police departments like the NYPD or LAPD, generally we won't, generally a statement would be put out until we've analyzed all the facts. Right. So we would have already interviewed all the officers on scene. We've, mm -hmm. uh, we would have interviewed um, you know, civilians on scene, we would have pulled video evidence where then we would have looked at, okay, who is at fault? Um, and then we would put out a press conference. But I will say this, a lot of police departments, um, just to maintain the peace, won't necessarily put out any statements unless there is um, an uproar, as if there's a public outcry. So you don't necessarily come straight out and put out a press conference just because of video surface, you know, because at the end of the day, we still have to investigate before we put out the facts because you don't want to prosecute someone without giving them an opportunity to tell you what actually occurred. So in that same that situation, there were multiple videos that showed the officer didn't have the right to use force in that scenario and there was public outcry, there should have been a statement by the police officers, not the police officers, but the police commissioner saying, we're looking into this matter, it doesn't look well, we have already placed him off patrol, that way the citizens feel this won't be repeated um, right away or again, and then they can you know, go further. But I think sometimes we rush to judgment based on what we've heard, but sometimes we don't get the full story. And I think that's why Body One Camera plays such a critical role in ensuring that the public sees the entire story. Because most, I would say most citizens have some sort of fear with the police. And so they're quick to say, no, it was the police officer's fault. And then I know you also mentioned that other officers weren't wearing masks as well. So then there's this, this talk about why is it that they don't get to wear masks, but we have to wear masks. And so right away, the approach is going to be adversarial because like, you know, Mr. George says, you, you can't enforce something that you yourself aren't following. So there's already some sort of like discrepancy going on with the cops. So now the the public don't, you know, they don't feel like they have to follow it because the cops aren't following it. So for me, I think the proper response should have been regardless of public outcry. For me, I would have put out a statement saying we're looking into the matter but I wouldn't necessarily err on the side of the public right away because your police officers also have to feel like, you know, they're trusted to do their job. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't convict quickly without reviewing evidence. 
and that's that's what I think. Um, yeah, and some really great points, um, Lieutenant. So thank for that because I I do agree that sometimes there's a rush to judgment in terms of the behavior of the police department. But I think it, at the end of the day, it boils down to trust. Because I think if there's a trust in relationship between the citizens and the police, then we are more apt to say, well, you know what, let us take a step back like you um, encouraged us to do. And let us talk to the other detectives, the other police officers, the other eyewitness that may have been there. But we seem to have a history in Dominica where the police just never reports back to us. So, so we never even have the opportunity to get a statement to say, well, we're looking into it. We're not going to rush to judgment like you recommended. But there's just always seems to be silence. So, Mr. George, thank you, Lieutenant. So, Mr. George, I want to come over to you for your thoughts. And just to ask you, because you were once a member of the police department in Dominica, has a police officer ever been convicted of violating the civil rights of a Dominican in Dominica? Yes, the answer is yes. Good. Uh, um, fortunately for us in Dominica, the only institution that investigates itself in Dominica, in the public service, and even the private sector, is the police force. All right? And they do a very good job about, uh, of that. So the, the regulations are enforced. Uh, disciplinary tribunals are appointed. Uh, police officers are prosecuted before the courts. So not only before disciplinary tribunals, but they are prosecuted be, uh, before the courts where they are found to be accused of serious offenses. And these are investigated. I, I myself um, endured that. So I had to stand before a magistrate's court and be asked to plead guilty or not guilty. So I, I wouldn't say I was a victim. I would say that I was a police officer who had been investigated. So that happens. Um, in terms of the incident that you're talking about, uh, one has to say that there is a growing disconnect between the police in Dominica and the citizenry. And the accusations are rampant and wide. And it is incumbent on the chief of police and his command to pay attention to the comments that are coming out from the public and to address them in a manner that builds confidence between the police and the citizenry. If, you, uh, if the command fails to do that, then they are failing the very officers who are on the beat. Okay? They are allowing the officers to get away with an attitude of entitlement that I'm entitled to to um, protection from my commander. I'm entitled to non-investigations. I'm entitled to promotions that I do not deserve and so on. And therefore you begin a rot, okay? So whilst I do not want to cast judgment on what may have happened at the court today, I believe there is sufficient evidence in the public in Dominica that requires a, probably another inquiry into the police force. And another point is, as an institution, the Dominica Police Force is the most inquired into in, in the country. So you've hardly heard of a commission of inquiry, inquiry into the acts of permanent secretaries in the public service, where monies are assigned to them as accounting officers. And in my view, they fail to account for it through the parliamentary process. 
and nothing happens. That doesn't happen in the police force. So you have had several commissions of inquiry within the police force inquiring into the actions of police officers. Police officers have been charged. Uh, some have been dismissed disciplinarily and so on. So, the, the, so I would rather to, to speak on the issue of building confidence between the police and the citizenry. Policing is a partnership between the police and the citizenry. And I, I think we, we started the conversation with the word enforcement, no enforcement. Probably we need to change it. I was there and that is what I was trained to do and that is what I did. But um, we may need to probably consider changing it to law obedience, obedience to the law. So we need to teach and continue to teach and educate our citizenry that there is a responsibility on everyone to obey the law. So the first responsibility is not that of the police really, is that of the citizenry to understand that their role in building a state requires them to obey the laws that are passed. Now, then that raises another issue. If the laws are, in their view, unjust, what do they do about it? So uh, Dr. Matthew, you spoke uh, to Lieutenant Commander Rennie and asked her about what would have happened in the United States. And Dr. Michael in, in the United Kingdom, what has happened in the United States and the United Kingdom is you have vibrant advocacy groups that um, through the media and through other civic groups that keep these issues alive and challenge the status quo. So it would have forced the Metropolitan Police in London to respond to even that issue, as well as it would have forced the LAPD to respond and the NYPD to respond to a, an issue as simple as that because the citizenry has taken on its responsibility to obey the law, to cooperative law enforcement, and require the law enforcers the, to respect the laws themselves and to respect the citizenry. Can I, can I, just, quickly, yes. can I just quickly say that the case you have... Uh, described it does sound disturbing mm -hmm. but i think that doesn't mean that police officers however serious the allegation they are still entitled to their presumption of innocence under the law mm -hmm. while an investigation is embarked on and i think it may not necessarily it doesn't matter what the jurisdiction is it may not necessarily have resulted in a press conference but it certainly would merit reassurance from a senior officer that the matter's been taken, taken seriously and it is being investigated. And whatever has or hasn't happened in public, I seriously hope that a senior officer has spoken to the person who's been allegedly assaulted to reassure them that the matter is being investigated and being taken seriously. Yes, thank you for yes, that. Um, yes, go ahead, Mr. George. Michael, Dr. Michael, uh, the issue of trust arises in policing. So the police 
officers in and of themselves will not be able to carry out the duties completely if they don't have the trust of the citizenry because they're not present on crime scenes. They respond to crime scenes. And therefore you need the trust and confidence of the citizenry to um, assist in the investigations that will arise out of something happening at the crime scene. And I totally agree with you that the police officer has to be presumed innocent until proven guilty, and that he has to have due process applied. I agree with you, and that has happened to me. I, I use myself as reference, okay? But at this stage, I think the point that Dr. Matthew is bringing out, at the stage we are at in Dominica currently, there has to be confidence building measures in law enforcement in Dominica currently. Okay, so um, what may have happened or will happen in metropolitan, metropolitan England and, and uh, New York it has grown over decades. Ours need to be addressed because the citizenry, and that's the sense I'm getting, is getting less and less trustworthy of police officers. And that is not a situation you want in a small country with a small population such as ours. You do not want it anywhere in the world. We definitely do not want it in Dominica. And while the, the, the commissioner may not address that particular incident, the, 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 the body of evidence, public information that is out there should be of concern to the commissioner of police and confidence building measures ought to be engaged and applied within the Dominican um, jurisdiction so as to build trust and to maintain that trust. If to do otherwise is to, be, is to behave as if I am the law. Yes, uh, Lieutenant Commander, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mr. George. And you must obey when I tell you to. No. To form the state, the citizenry has to be educated to their responsibility. That has to happen. It is the responsibility of the leadership of the country to continually educate citizens to their responsibility. When that is done, more than half of the police work is done. We will agree that the, the police does not really police the entire community, you know. So I have a question. Yes, go ahead, Lieutenant. So, again, part of my ignorance, generally in larger there's going to be some sort of oversight in any sort of use of force, right? So yeah. for an example, in New York, whenever you put hands on someone and you use force to either forcibly take them down, you use a hand strike, foot strike, you use any sort of less lethal weapon or you use a weapon, there's a report that has to be done and a supervisor has to respond and then it either gets investigated at the basic precinct level or it goes up to internal affairs and then some sort of you know reprimand happens or they're deemed um, not guilty. So I'm not sure, going back to the point like, yes, it's always great to inform the public that we're looking into it. But as Mr. George says too, if there's no accountability, 
not just public accountability, but if there's no internal accountability of, okay, this is what happens when you put hands on someone. You have to account for every time you have some sort of physical interaction with the public, most police officers that want to keep their job, that want to keep their pay or their vacation days, will make sure they're acting a certain way because they know there's going to be some level of oversight. A supervisor has to say, yes, this was an appropriate level use of force. Or, hey, you have to be suspended for this because this was excessive. So I'm not sure what are the, are the policies in place to ensure that force is being regulated correctly. So it's always good to tell the public we're looking into it. But if there's actually no sort of like SOP, some standard operating procedure of how we're going to investigate it, of course, if you have your friend who is investigating, he's going to say, good job, he deserved it. But I'm not sure what the oversight is. So, you know, we can tell the public all we want, we're looking into it. But if there's no actual proper things in place, to ensure that it is. And also, too, the supervisor responding cannot be a supervisor that actually was involved. You have to be a neutral party so that way you can look at the facts and say, yeah, this shouldn't have happened. You obviously got too far. We need to discipline you. But of course, just like any person, if they know that there's no discipline, they're going to act accordingly. If they know they can get away with murder, then they're more likely to commit murder. So. Yes, and, 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 and Lieutenant, that is exactly why we're having this conversation and we're bringing you in from the NYPD because you're already telling us the best practices that the NYPD would take in a case situation. And I know, Dr. Michael, you're also, you've also been involved with internal affairs. So what yeah. are your thoughts? Yes, I, I mean, I totally agree with Mr. George about trust and confidence. It's something I wanted to develop as we went along with the program. And... Uh, it's yeah so I, I i didn't want to take up too much time on on this question but i totally agree with mr george it's a very important factor in all aspects of policing yeah and that is what we're gonna build on today we're gonna build on you know, how can we create that trust? Because I think we're seeing a deterioration of the trust and the confidence of the citizens of Dominica in the police department. So what are the best practices we can bring into this conversation to ensure that we regain the trust of the Dominican uh, public with regards to uh, trusting the, the police department. So this is why we're having this, this conversation. And let me just mention as well um, that as we're talking about uh, best practices, what we're referring to here are the policies, procedures based on decades of research and practical experience from around the world which have been shown to be the most effective and most efficient approaches to security protection and other aspects of law enforcement. And as I mentioned before, Lieutenant Commander, you did an excellent job of already telling us about the internal affairs approach that would have been the process in this particular situation. But let us look at best practices from the UK, um, uh, the US, and even within Dominica and your experience, uh, Mr. George, just in terms of every aspect of policing. So for example, the best practices with response to the rights of a police officer to stop you and to interrogate you, to search your vehicle. So let's have that conversation. The, the, let us put this something here. The, Police work 
police's work is done through law. So the police does not generally enforce policy unless that policy has gone through cabinet, passage in parliament, and the president assents to it. So there's a distinct difference between uh, the work of the police and the public service, for instance. So a permanent secretary may get a policy paper from cabinet, which is also legal, and they apply. Um, in most cases, the police work is through a body of law. So the law exists and it does define what has to, to be done and what doesn't have to be done. In Dominica's case, I know that there the exists a use of force policy within the police force, and that was adapted from the United Nations use of force policy for police officers. I know about that because I, I helped to put it together for us in the police force. Uh, we have the police regulations that addresses the issue of discipline. We have the public, the, the, the police service commission regulations that also addresses the issues of discipline because the police service commission has the constitutional authority to discipline police officers. And the, the, the regulations used for that are their own regulations. And in the case of constables and corporals, they delegate that uh, responsibility to the chief of police. In other jurisdictions, the chief of police could discipline all the way up to inspector. But in Dominica's case, the, pub, the police service commission does that. So the disciplinary processes are there in place. So and the internal investigation processes are also there. And like I said earlier, they are applied and they are used. What may be lacking is what we've been discussing and we've been skirting around is how much of that is told to the public to build trust and confidence that if a complaint is made against a police officer that it has been addressed and he's found not guilty or he's found guilty and that has to be told to the public so they build their confidence if they believe if the public believes that the police gets away with everything that is alleged against them and there is no process that it's gone into, then the confidence level is going to go down. The enforcement is going to get harsher because you're going to, you're going to have resistance. If I don't trust you, when you come to me, I'm, going not, I'm not going to cooperate with you readily and then you're going to have resistance. And that resistance will come in the form of arrest for assault on the police officer, resisting arrest, obstruction, and all that kind of thing. It is because the, the trust level has gone down, and that needs to be worked on. Now, we, another thing we need to put in perspective is Dominica. It is my view, presently, that the, the police is, uh, from the command, they seem to be, in some areas, discriminating in law enforcement in Dominica. And that is bad. Okay? Um, you have a situation where members of the, the, the ruling regime have made very dangerous statements against people in the opposition. And the police has not paid attention to that. That is serious. But in the case of the opposition, 
the police has jumped on every case and every instance and arrested people willy-nilly and put them before the court. So there's one particular case I, I want to reference. That is the case where somebody went, not allegedly, they went. There are videos from the government side and videos from Mr. Linton's side where somebody went and dropped a suitcase or allegedly dropped a suitcase or showing on a video that they dropped a suitcase at his home containing a million dollars and uh, to implicate him in corruption. His home camera captured that. He was not there at the time when that happened. And there was a public video showing that he seemed to have received a million dollars. His home camera, his security camera showed that he did not receive it. It was a setup. The person came and they did the, the, the they did what they had to do, left with the suitcase. He collected all that evidence and reported to the current chief of police and submitted all the evidence, including the name of the alleged offenders. To this day, he has gotten no response from the chief of police as to the state of that case, a very serious case against a sitting member of the parliament of Dominica. And there are other instances. Okay, so how, and the police sent an investigator and the investigator got into his house and took photographs of his bedroom. But the assailant didn't get into the, okay, so if you did all that, why haven't you returned to the leader of the opposition? a citizen of Dominica, and say to him, I am continuing with the investigation. That is selective policing. And it is bad, and it needs to be condemned. Now, so when we, I took it at that level on purpose, because I do not want to bring every instance into play. So I'm saying, now get with the prime minister, who now accused members of the opposition and said wherever they are wherever you find them at their homes in their cars at the churches on the airport call them traitors that is a provocative statement if you keep calling people traitors they're likely to get angry and retaliate that is inciting violence the prime minister has never been spoken to he's not immune to prosecution so at that high level, we're, not, we're talking earlier on the citizen level, the small man on the road. We're talking at that high level. So if you have rottenness at that high level, you're likely to have it filtered within the general public. And this is why I have, I have been saying consistently that there is a, a need in Dominica currently for confidence-building measures in policing so as to gain the trust of the citizenry that are being policed. There needs to be continued education of the citizenry as to their roles, because they do have roles in the state to ensure that there is law and order and there is peace. They are the ones, we the citizens of Dominica, are the ones who must discharge that responsibility in making sure that the state is peaceful. And the police comes on to enhance it. Yes, to yes, thank you. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, to do otherwise, yeah, it's going to anarchy. Yes, thank you. Uh, Lieutenant, you look like you have something you want to add. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to navigate, so I understand mm -hmm. where Mr. George is coming from. There's always, for me, with police departments, whenever um, like a prime minister, president, or a, a mayor is in charge of the police force, where they, I'm not sure how it works in Dominica, but generally the police commission is going to be appointed by some political figure. And there's always going to be some sort of, um, you know, bias there, right? They expect you to respond the way they want you to respond. So there's going to be a level. It's politics of, and everything. Right. There's going to be some sort of level of corruption. But when we're going back to the basics of how to police on the street, like it should just come down to what crimes were committed and who violated those crimes and how we can bring them to justice. So the politics are always going to be there, but when it comes down to basic policing practices on the street, police officers, I'm not sure what their level of training is, but if if Mr. George is saying that there's some sort of like political corruption there, and so it's causing some bias-based policing, then absolutely, like we're never gonna get proper, mm -hmm. like um, democratic, you know, um, policing going on. It's just gonna be a free fall and who supports who is who we're going to arrest and who we don't support is who we're not, you know. So that I can't really, that I don't know how we can navigate that in Dominica since everything is, everything is red and blue. Like, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to the basics of someone on the street committing a crime, it still has to come down to it's a citizen and how are we going to treat them correctly regardless of who their political party is. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, when we bring that person to court, and that happens everywhere, right? Again, justices and judges are also appointed by the president or the whoever it is that's in politics. So they kind of rule based on what's expected. But at the end of the day, if the law is on the books, we also have to expect some sort of justice system that's impartial. But mm -hmm. if Mr. George is saying that politics have intertwined in, in policing, there's not going to be any sort of impartial policing. And now we're just going to have you know, a lot of mistrust. Yeah, and, and I think it's a little bit um, more obvious in Dominica because we're such a small society. So there's politics and corruption in just about, you know, every country in the world where, you know, uh, the, the chief of police is appointed by the mayor. There's some connection politically. But I think it stands out a little bit more. It's a little bit more blatant in Dominica because we're such a small society. Uh, Dr. Michael, you wanted to contribute anything? Uh, yes, please. Going back to your question, I don't want to lose thread of your question, which mm -hmm. was about good practice. Yes. And there may be incidents and cases of concern. Um, I don't think that should uh, put us in a position uh, of helplessness and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. As I said at the very beginning, Dominica has a constitution. Dominica has a police act that defines in detail the roles and responsibilities of the chief of police to maintain good order. Every constable who is attested to the Dominica police force takes an oath of office under the laws of Dominica. 
each and every constable, sergeant, corporal, inspector are mandated to do their duty under the laws of Dominica. The, and anyone from the commissioner down who disobeys the laws of Dominica render themselves liable under that same law. It's mm -hmm. just about how we go about it and who goes about it. Absolutely. So it's, so it's not a free-for-all. It's not that one says that or that one didn't do that. The laws of Dominica are on the statute book. Good practice. Mm -hmm. And I think... Yes, go ahead. Good practice. You may be the best trained, and I'm not sure I can say that about Dominica. You may be the best equipped, and I'm not sure I can say that about Dominica. You may be the best supported by the minister and the government. I'm not sure that I can say that about Dominica. But in terms of good practice, you cannot carry on doing what you've always done and expect different results. Mm -hmm. It's crucial now for the leadership of the Dominica Police Force to adopt different cultures of policing under the same laws of Dominica. That means you have to work with the local residents and the citizens and the business people, and you have to listen to them, and you have to engage with them, and you have to engage with groups and organizations. You have to work in partnership with them and in terms of good practice and engendering the trust and confidence that uh, has already been mentioned, if, uh, well, I, I've often, when I'm talking in Dominic, I often talk about the shopkeeper, the fisher person, um, the farmer, because who, whatever your role, whatever your place in society, you are entitled to the protection under the laws and constitution of Dominica and the Commissioner of Police and everybody else who gets paid for it, and they're all volunteers, should be given the fisher person, the farmer, the shopkeeper. And I still get too often anecdotal evidence my livestock's been destroyed. My property's been stolen. I've been assaulted. I have called the police. Mm -hmm. They are not attending. It's such a basic thing. Until we address this basic thing about our police in Dominica, working with all sections of the community, but one of the ways to do it one of the missing links in Dominica, policing is not only accountable to the minister and questions about policing is not only for the minister, it's for every elected parliamentarian. The parliamentarians, too many of them, abrogate their responsibilities of communicating and making themselves accessible to their constituents, so their constituents can say, I am not getting the police service that I deserve, that I'm entitled to. 
that I pay my taxes for, that the Constitution and the laws of Dominica clearly laid out. It doesn't matter whether you're part of the government or the opposition or independent or one of the new parties. All of our politicians should be engaging with their constituents and their local village councils and then go to the minister and then go to the cabinet and say our policing is just not fit for purpose and what are we going to do about it? Yeah, you, and cannot, you cannot have, in 2022, a shopkeeper, a villager, someone with a bar, calling our police and them just not turning up and them just not dealing with criminal matters. On social media, what, what, what we call open source intelligence, there's open source intelligence about illegal firearms and ammunition in communities in Dominica. And there's not enough of a police response to tell us what they are doing and what they're going to do about removing firearms and illegal firearms and ammunition and gunmen from our communities. This is what we need to do, but everybody needs to be engaged. I don't agree with Mr. George. We can't turn it back on the citizens. The police are, are charged under the constitution, under the law. They're volunteers, they get paid. They are the lead agency. We have to work in multi-agency and multidisciplinary, but the police are the lead agency to prevent and detect crime and to bring offenders to justice. Yeah, and Mr. George, I'm gonna give you an opportunity, an opportunity to respond, but Dr. Michael, you're correct because we had an incident recently when a, a young lady was a victim of domestic abuse and she said she went to the police department and she was assigned a police officer to look into the investigation and no one, no one showed up. No one investigated further and when she went back to ask about her case, she was told the police officer was out for the day. <laughs> so, so how is that? How is that effective yep. policing? But, Mr. George, I want you to make um, your comments, uh, Lieutenant. I'm coming to you as well. But I also want us to look as we talk about best practices. What are the rights of citizens under law enforcement? What are the rights? The rights of the police to stop and frisk you. I know that that was a big deal some time back, uh, Lieutenant, back in New York. There was this, you know, stop and frisk situation that had to be canceled. And I don't know if it's back on. So maybe you can talk on that. But what are the rights of the citizens? So I don't want us to lose focus on ensuring that we talk on specific points in terms of best practices so that we can build that confidence and that trust in um, our police department. And of course, we want to take the calls from the Q95 listeners. So we're going to take your calls in about five minutes. Facebook, I see your comments. Thank you so much. We will come over to you um, for your response. So Mr. George, did you want to respond? Yes, I, I, I agree entirely with what Dr. Michael said in terms of the responsibility of the police. They can't abdicate that. They can't go away from it. Um, what, I, what I sought to do a while ago was to highlight the selectivity that is now apparently existing in law enforcement here. So having put that, then I know that we can address the issue of 
best practices. Otherwise, we'll be addressing best practices in a vacuum. Right. And I didn't want us to do that. Okay. The, in terms of the, the rights of the citizens, these are enshrined, as Dr. Michael said, in the Constitution of Dominica, Chapter 1 of the Constitution speaks to that. The preamble of the Constitution speaks to that. And in the law now, the law arising out of the parliamentary process is that the citizen can be stopped and searched in Dominica without a warrant if the police has reasonable grounds to believe that that person has committed an offense, is about to commit an offense, or and so on. So they, they, that power is there, but it is not it is not a power that you can use indiscriminately, but it is there. The other is that you must uh, apply for a search warrant to search the property of a citizen. And that is, you will lay uh, an information before a magistrate, and if he accepts what is laid before him or her, then his or her warrant is issued to the police officer laying the information and you are now authorized to visit the property of the person named and search that place under the powers only constitution, which is legal. So the, 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 the best practice for respecting the rights and freedoms of Dominicans is enshrined in law and the, the rights of the citizen to, um, to be protected from arbitrary search is also enshrined in law. And if these are breached, then the, the victim has recourse to the courts. Now, so when we talk, again, when we talk about the best practices, these are existing in Dominican law. But in practice now, does it always apply? And I think this is where we must have the discussion. Okay, that if it does not apply, then you will find that the citizen is going to begin to complain. And it is when they begin to complain, and like Dr. Michael says, and the police is not listening to the farmer, to the bartender, to the truck driver, to the merchant, to the ordinary worker. And it is apparent that you are not listening to them and attending to their complaints then the trust issue arises and it goes down and it makes it more difficult now for the police to enforce the law and for the citizenry to now obey the law. Yes, thank you. Lieutenant, I want to come to you, especially as it relates to approaches to interrogation. Right. So, so the rights of citizens with regards to interrogation, interrogation policies, procedures, the use of force, because, for example, I think they've been correct me, Mr. George, if I'm wrong, there have been two incidences where individuals have died during a police interrogation. So, Lieutenant, um, can you comment on that for us? Um, OK, so the first thing I want to comment on is the, the idea of training. So. Police officers, I mean, this goes back to research, right? So police officers mm -hmm. have to feel confident in what they're doing. They have to feel like they're making some sort of difference. Right. And they have to feel like they're working for a department that also cares. So if I'm a police officer in a department and I see everyone around me doesn't care, I'm probably not going to care as well. Mm -hmm. So if we have made a culture of not responding to calls for service, 
nobody's going to do it. If there's no accountability for responding in a timely fashion, nobody's going to do it. So in larger police departments, we have what we call a, a timestamp. So every time you respond to a 911 call, you have a certain time limit to get there. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't gotten there in a certain time limit, there's some sort of like investigation as to why did that happen? You can't just willy-nilly decide who you respond to, when you respond to, however you respond to. So if that is the culture in Dominica, at the basic level of policing, we, have, we are already failing. So we already are not doing the basics of policing. So we can't even talk about anything else to practice better because we, ha we haven't even got down to the basics of, okay, policing involves a complaint. So there needs to have been a crime that occurred. So if we're not even responding to crimes that have occurred, what exactly is our function in Dominica? Like, what exactly are we doing? So going back to best practices in terms of response, that is at the basic level, having supervision. So if you have police officers, there should be a sergeant on patrol. Whenever a call comes in, the sergeant should be aware that somebody had to respond there. The sergeant should be saying, what happened to that burglary complaint that you responded to? Going further, I know from experience and from talking to people back home, when they're, when they're victims of crimes, they have zero confidence that the crimes are getting investigated, except some sort of like sexual assault, right? Because we, we take sexual assault seriously worldwide, right? That's like a very personal crime. But when it comes down to a robbery or, um, or um, like burglary or some sort of like crime that we think is basic back home or in Dominica, it doesn't get the same due diligence as everything else. And so when you've created that culture, police officers are not going to do their job effectively because there is no accountability. So I think from the beginning of this discussion, I keep saying, what is the accountability? Like who is looking into these things when it happens? And if no one is looking into it, it's going to continue. So going into interrogations, that's yes. we have to have a complaint first. So if nobody is responding, how are we even interrogating people? Like how did we even get a suspect? So that's, you know, that's something else I'm also confused about. But let's say we got a burglary complaint. We responded. I also don't think, like, I spoke to a police officer back home, and I said, like, what happened? Like, like they told me they, like, dusted for fingerprints, right? So I said, but what are you doing with these fingerprints? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. We just wow. So then the I'm police like, officer said that to you. I don't know. Yeah, because he don't he, he was being truthful. He doesn't know. So is that a fault of the actual police officer? I'm not sure what if he paid attention in training. I don't know what type of training he even received. But we have these like we have these things that are in place, but sometimes like I said, the confidence that the police officers have in the system is not there. So they sometimes they don't even know what they're doing when they respond. And then obviously the citizens are like, How do you not know what you're doing? This is your job. So now, like Mr. George keeps saying about trust. Dominicans are probably not even going to ask for the police anymore because if I ask and you don't come and if I ask and you do come and you don't know what you're doing, what's the point? But let's say we have a guy that knows what he's doing. He responded. He took fingerprints. It went somewhere. And now we have a suspect, right? So we have a suspect in the interrogation room. There needs to be oversight in the interrogation. So in larger police departments, there is no way that you're going to have a detective interviewing somebody and there isn't a supervisor working. 
There needs to be somebody that says, let me look at what you're asking, how you're asking, to make sure you're doing your job correctly. And I've been in situations where sometimes people get comfortable. Oh, this is a good detective. He knows what he's doing. Okay, but now you as a supervisor are going to be the one that gets in trouble if something happens in that interrogation room. So with with my employment and, and larger police departments, there's because there's like a, a it's almost like a child not touching the stove back home because they know hellfire is going to be rained on them from their parents it has to have some sort of accountability so you know okay i'm not going to use force while i'm interrogating because i know if somebody's watching me i'm going to lose my job but if you know no one's watching you're not going to utilize best practices so there's no way we can implement all of these things all of these techniques and we have zero oversight. It makes it's no one is generally people people need someone to ensure they're doing their job correctly. Every every job, law enforcement and um, civilian jobs, there's a manager. There's somebody saying, Okay, let me read what you did to make sure this is going according to plan. But going back to interrogation, interrogations are simple once you know what you have and how to approach the suspect. So if you have a suspect in the box, as we call the interrogation room for murder, in theory, you shouldn't have that man in the interrogation room unless you have some sort of mountain of evidence to cut to get a confession, to elicit a confession. Um, confession because how are you even sitting here? Because you you cannot be forced to be interrogated unless I have some reasonable suspicion for you to be here, some sort of probable cause for you to be here. So if we're just grabbing citizens in Dominica off the street because somebody you heard somebody say it might be that guy, you've already, in theory, lost the case. So any sort of interrogation you do is fruits of the poisonous tree because mm -hmm. you should not even been talking to this person. And it should get to the court and the court should say, yeah, we can't do anything with this because this isn't best practices. This is not what we do because citizens have rights and we as police officers have to follow that or else, what do we have? We have no law, no order, right? Or no constitution or whatever, which, which is the meme that we always say. But I think it goes back to that. And like I said, I, I mean, we could talk about de-escalation techniques. We could talk about, mm -hmm. you know, we could talk about all these things. But if the cops don't feel confident that, you know, people, their supervisors or the higher ups are not helping them, giving them the tools that they need, explaining to them why they're doing things, or why this is supposed to be, policing is just gonna be a people. And I know I keep saying that, but that's what, when I, when, when I hear Mr. George talk and, and Dr. Michael talk, that's how it sounds to me. It's like, there is no proper like oversight and there might be oversight behind the scenes, but what good is that if other police officers don't know what's happening? So if the police officer in Portsmouth doesn't know a police officer in Superior got, um, convicted or is found guilty of something and lost his job or lost, you know, money or vacation days, he's still going to think, oh, this is fine. I can do what I need to do. Everyone, like in my police department, everyone's discretions or like guilty verdicts are published and everybody knows, oh, this is what you get if you do this. Like mm -hmm. everyone knows this is what happens. So you kind of are always on your P's and Q's trying to dot your eyes because you're like, I don't want this to be me. Yeah. I don't know if that's Dominica. Like I said, I'm not too familiar. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it boils down and it boils down to accountability. But that's Dr. Michael, I'm coming to you, but we must take a break to engage the callers because you know the, the callers and our Facebook live uh, audience, they're an important part of the conversation. Absolutely. So Dr. Michael, give me one minute. I'm coming right back to you. But DJ Sean, if you are available, you can give out the phone numbers so we can engage our uh, callers into the program. All right, thank you, Simon. The numbers are 449-3095, 449-3096, 449-3097, 616-4257. And if you're calling from the overseas line, 305-432-9624. Let me just repeat those numbers again. The numbers are 449-3095, 449-3096, 449-3097, If you're calling on the overseas line, 305-432-9624. Yes, and just let us know if a call is coming in. You can just feel free to interrupt us. But I can already, I, sorry to interrupt you. I can already see the lines. Okay, blinking. go ahead. Good night, five. Hello, good night. Hello, good night. Yes, um, I heard Miss Simon saying that um, the guy, um, the police had the problem with there today there with the guy and did not have mask. He had his mask on, but it was not properly weared. His mask was under his nose, mm-hmm. and, the police, and the police also had his own under his nose. And there was also police there without masks, and the police gone fell out. And another police had to take it from, for him. What about if the guy, the police was harassing and beating the hard time, grabbed the gun? What would happen? You understand? Mm-hmm. So we have not confident in the operation of the police. You know, the police always take advantage on the on the citizen, and that is wrong. You understand? So that is what happened. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, caller. Thank you, caller. And, and you know, Lieutenant just mentioned the importance of de-escalation. So how do you ensure that that case doesn't become a case where the guy potentially grabs the gun and it's a whole different situation? Uh, DJ Shan, you had another call? Um, no, Simon. Not, uh, okay, all right. Thank you. So back to the Facebook Live audience, Sandra Norris. Good evening. Um, not nice. All right. So, good sorry to interrupt you again, Simon. Go ahead. Good night, five. Good night. Yes. Good evening. How are you, sir? I'm good, and you, sir. I, 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 I am listening to the program, and I, I just wanted to, to, to contribute a little bit. Can I do that? Definitely. Go ahead, right Yes. Good evening to the entire panel. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Yes, yes. Good evening. I, I'm listening to these to this brilliant law enforcement people. And when Mr. George was sharing, I said to myself, well, if the um, police and the citizens have that relationship, it seems as if, if the citizen, a citizen have a problem, they can even call the police to give them advice. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah, no, Mr. George. But once there is that relationship, of course, between the police and the citizen, yes. Thank you. So, so, so tonight, tonight, if I have a little situation where I need a little advice, I believe you guys have legal, uh, legal heads, and I can ask a, a little help there as well. I can do that. Go ahead. No, Mr. George, I'm not asking the question tonight, but I want to, I want to ask you all guys, as as leaders. Because I'm afraid of what is happening in Dominica. I always use the word I'm afraid. I'm afraid because 
2009, my wife was at, at, at Fadi Best Medical Center, and I left her there coming up to Scott's head. And I gave a guy from Grande a ride, and when I gave the guy the ride, it was just at the after election. And I was talking to the guy, and the guy agreed, well, a lot of things going wrong in Dominica. He said to me, sir, don't worry about that. If the Labour Party had lost the election, lives would have lost in, in Dominica. I became frightened. So in, in, in 2014 now, the Prime Minister said that um, if Dominican vote for United Lucas Party, the blood of Dominica will be on their shoulders, something to that, to, that, to that effect. So every time I think of Dominica, where, where I'm in the busy, I, I, I'm afraid. So I want to ask you guys as a, a legal head, whether I'm not asking the question tonight, I want to know whether I can ask it because I'm not, I am not a promoter of wrong, I'm not a subscriber of wrongdoing. But I want to ask you all guys, if I can ask the Prime Minister whether Dominicans will lose their lives at the expense of he staying in office. Is, is that a, 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 a legitimate question I can ask my Prime Minister? Sure. I mean, it's you right? can ask your Prime Minister anything you want. Absolutely. Okay. He's your Prime Minister. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Good night. Yes, yes. Thank you. Any other calls? Um, thank you for your contribution, caller. Any other calls, Hamsha? Uh, no, Simon. Not at the moment. Okay, so Marilyn Pascal, good evening. Uh, Patricia Fontaine, Auntie Hammy, good evening. Everyone listening. Alvin Thomas, thank you for being here. Medina Senhouse, my mom, great to see you. Uh, June Pascal, totally agree. Some of the citizens disagree with the law of the land and complaints to the police is not doing their job. I think I get the essence of what you're trying to say. Dave Bertrand, great to see you. He's listening. June also says citizens need to abide by the law of the land. My sister died at Greenhouse where illegal marijuana was grown from citizens. Oh, June, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Dorian, I would like to ask Lieutenant Commander Francis, does the, polit the politicians, politicians, where she lives, recruits any police officers. Just take note of any questions you want to ask. So that one is for you, uh, Lieutenant Commander. Does the politicians where you live recruit any police officers? David Johnson, great to see you. He says, June Pascal, the police are a part of the citizenry and must not only enforce the laws, but they must follow and abide by the laws as well. Hector John, great to see you. Community policing is paramount. We're going to get to that topic in a little while. David Joseph, Dorian Dorval, as someone who has family and friends in the NYPD, the answer is absolutely no. Eagle Mike, great to see you. Anthony Simon, the average citizen in Dominica, does not know anything about their rights under the Constitution. Augustina John, good evening, Dr. Matthew, and the rest of the panel. Brampton, Ontario, Canada is locked in. Um, Hermelina Watson says, do they have a certain age to be a police officer in Dominica? Because as far as I can see, most of the police officers are just kids. John, John Pear, the citizens of Dominica must learn to respect themselves and respect the law. The police officer are there to enforce the law and uphold Madam, the laws so, of the country. Sorry to interrupt you again, Simon. There's another call on the line. 
One second. The citizens need the policemen just as the policemen need the citizens. So to our panel, just make a note of any of those questions and comments you want to respond to. DJ Shan, go ahead, please. Good night. Hello, good, good evening. Good evening to the hosts and all the members that there. Anyhow, I love, I love to put my two cents in your program because I find you have a great program and that is my business because this is, people say Dominica, it's the River Nica. You see me? So now, you have all them great officers and chiefs and whosoever you have there. Now that really left to really stay really and truly. I listen to the past police officers speak also. But what I like to say, now, we're living in a world now in a new era, right? And really and truly, slavery ever to live our life. Now, when you think of America, we know what happened in America. We think of England, we know what happened in England. But we, we, we're talking with River Nica right now, as I would say. Now, every police in River Nica, they don't come from iron or plastic or whatsoever. They have granny, auntie, cousin, and then they come from a king and a queen. They come from human beings. Now, police are the security of our country. I wrong way, right? You there with me? Yes, we're here. Right? They are the security of our country, right? Now, mm-hmm. you are the security of our country, as we say, is human being like every one of us. Now, they have to defend the country and the citizens, which is the people. But the problem we really have in River Nicaragua, not in River Nicaragua, also, all over the Caribbean and other places also, we have to realize that if the policemen are the security of the country and the citizens, we ourselves have to have respect for the police also. Are you wrong or right? Yes, right. it goes both ways. Right. No, what yeah, happened now? No, you have to have respect for good police officers. No, what, what really happening now? Yes. I realize that we don't have no respect for the police officers because of why. And another problem we have again, the police officers, them, they have the problem also because, have, as they would say, they have good cops and bad cops. Because a lot of police working for their money. They're not working for the country and for the people, and they will have a problem. And another problem again we have. Too much of the police, all of them, in other words. Too much of the police involved in political. But now you have a political party, keep it for yourself. So that is the problem because, really and truly, if you're working for the state and for the people, you have to respect the government that's inside. You know what I'm saying? But the problem we have now, the people, most of the people are holding for them, and those of them, maybe the government, they have no respect for the government. You know what I'm telling you, they have no respect for the police. And that is wrong, as I tell you again. The citizens have to work with the police. And the police have to work with the citizens. They are the security of our country, of our state. So we have to love and respect them. They get special like every one of us. Now, the policeman make a, a statement earlier on. I love what he say about some kind of fellow whosoever go by the opposition leader and drop some kind of suitcase and make a report and nothing to happen from that. But I know for a fact now, as far as I know, them opposition and them are in big position, as I say. The way they place organized and prepare. People can't come into their place like that. But anyhow, that's not the case. But anyhow, he said that I respect that. And that is wrong. It's something wrong. No matter who, who whosoever it is, a citizen of the country, the police have right to interact with their problem. That is what they, they are paying, getting paid for. But listen again now. You find it right now for an opposition leader, which is a political member of the, dom, of the um, opposition leader, as I say, of the Workers' Party, as I tell you, right? He's a parliament representative, representing a uh, constituency, you think it's right for it to have an issue in River Nica, as I would say, for the opposition leader to be saying to his, whosoever he's saying it to, I've been making a song that we're going to stone the police like rain. You find as an opposition leader and a parliament member, you find that making sense? You there with me? Yes, we're here. We're listening. You know, you find that making sense? So what signal do you send in as an opposition leader saying that you're going to stone your police as rain, 
Let's get real. I mean, it's not right. Because I tell you again, we police are the security of the state. And we have to respect the police officers. And when you disrespect the police like that, obviously, they don't know, they don't know where to turn. No matter what. Because I can remember before I roll out. In 1995, we had a different government. Majority rule have to respect that. The police was working with them. I see a lot of things the policemen do, right? And no one never take place. Even policemen, I see that, was police officers become drug members and even have national passport doing certain things. I don't call it nobody. I know what I know. Nobody can tell me I know what I'm saying about. And now the police officer, Dr. Mr. George, I'm saying to you, I respect you as a great police officer, but I tell you personally, you know for a fact, in your days as a police officer, you know nothing happened to Rastafari. Enough police officers have blood on their hands. No, no, don't, talk, don't <coughs> play as if you don't know nothing. You know what I'm saying? Get it real. You know what I'm saying? I can yes, tell you, I don't know what you like of me. In the other way, let me just run a bit. Let me just say my point before I roll out. Because what I tell you right now, that is River Nickel Council, that all of us business, and not one person, so that is everybody business. We are an independent country. We have an independent program. We have to voice our voice because what goes wrong comes around. We don't like mm -hmm. ugly. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. before I roll out again, Mr. Judge, I'm saying to you now, as a great police officer, you're not a police again, but right now, you still have a faith and have the way of the police officer. I find to myself, you know what's happening right now? To me personally, it should take a little time. And go to them young police officers and explain them how to go to work and do what they have to do for the country and for the people. Great program. Fireman rolling. Keep the fire blazing. Give thanks for life. Bless up. Yes. Thank you, Fireman. Thank you for your great contribution. And we're coming right back to the panel. Dr. Michael, I'm coming first to you because you had a contribution to make before we went to the break. But before we do, let's just remind the audience that you're listening to Roots Connections on Q, and we're talking about uh, best practices in law enforcement. What are the most effective and humane options for law enforcement? And are we seeing those options being practiced in Dominica? So joining us this evening, we have retired Scot Scotland Yard detective, Chief Inspector and Counselor in the United Kingdom, Dr. David Michael, and New York uh, Police Department Lieutenant Commander, Ms. Renee Francis, as well as retired Superintendent of the Dominica Police Department, Mr. Nicholas George. And we want to come over to you, uh, Dr. Michael. I think you wanted to make a contribution before we went to our phone call. So go ahead. And then we want to circle back to everyone on the panel for their comments. Yes, I think it touches on basically some of the calls and some of our discussion uh, about trust and confidence and police community partnerships. It, it boils down to leadership, supervision and management of the Dominica police force. And as I say, just us, a panel, and the chair talking on the radio isn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. But we need more Dominicans. As I said, we need every parliamentary representative, whatever political party you support, to give access to your constituents so they can let you know what's working well, what's not working so well, what's not working at all. And we need more voices. Dominica is a very religious country. We've got so many church and faith groups. We need those people to get involved. So we need everyone. We need more people, more voices to say what's working well with our police, what's not working so well, what's not working at all. But we clearly need the chief of police 
the Commissioner of Police and his senior leadership team, they should be listening. I know they do listen and tape some of these radio programmes. I hope they're doing that. They shouldn't just listen to it and go back to bed. They should say, what, what are we going to do different? Is it really true that in 2022 we're still having police officers not turning up to burglaries and assaults and thefts? What are we going to do about it? And, and so we need these parliamentary reps to get onto the minister, to get onto the prime minister, to say we like your politics, but you're not doing us right with the police service that we've got and the police service that we're getting. There are many people in Dominica who've got a voice. There's people who went to grammar school and many well-educated and eloquent Dominicans. We need them to say to their parliamentary rep, to talk to the minister, to talk to the cabinet, to improve and I have, I have been following, this is a policing program and operational policing has, should have no political influence whatsoever. But we need, we've had many new parties formed in Dominica the Old. I, I've never heard in a Dominica election an opposition party say, if you elect us, we're going to give you an efficient and effective police service in Dominica. I haven't heard that yet. And it's important. And it's important. I've never heard, I've been following Freedom, UWP, Labour, uh, Independence. We really have to change the discourse. Just carrying on doing the same thing in the same way with the same responses is not giving justice to the farmer, the fisher person, the shopkeeper. Uh, and we have all got to lift our voices up. Yes, we have all to do those, better. To all those with power and influence. And it doesn't matter whether we love blue or red or whatever colour we like. We have to say to them, look, I like you as my power rep. I like you as my government. But you're selling us short with the quality of policing we're getting in Dominica. Yes, thank you. Lieutenant Commander, let me come over to you. Hi. So I know um, one of the questions um, that was asked on Facebook was about recruiting police officers by politicians or parliamentary mm -hmm. representatives. So I can only speak on um, what I know. So there, there's a big recruitment push um, in the department, but nothing stops anyone from trying to get people hired um, to the police department. Because we always want, like me as, let's say I'm a politician and I represent a small area um, of Sufria. And I'm like, I know someone that I, I, I feel has high integrity or may make a good police officer. I'm gonna ask him to join the police department. Now, I think the question is lending, it, le lending like an idea to maybe that's causing some sort of corruption because maybe if I asked him to be a police officer, now I have him in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that, I, that can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it has to go back to how do we, you know, how do we police integrity on the job? Do we have randomized integrity tests? So do police officers know, hey, 
I'm probably going to get a random drug screening test so I can't use drugs. Or like I know we do a lot of integrity tests where we make, we make up like a, like, a, like a fake scenario, but it seems real. So police officers respond, but the drug bus is actually fake. And we see people pocket money and stuff. So that's how we combat some sort of level of corruption. So I'm not sure what the integrity um, like uh, pitfalls are in place for Dominica, like how they do that. So if that is in place, then yeah, we want everybody to recruit because we always want police officers to represent their community. You mm -hmm. want to be policed by someone that looks like you, that understands what's going on around you versus somebody, some, from, from, you know, versus a foreigner that has absolutely no idea what's going on in your village or your, or your precinct. So mm -hmm. th to answer that question, yes, anybody can recruit police officers. Um, can they directly fund them? No, obviously not. Um, they get paid by, you know, the city or the municipality, but that was to answer that question. Um, I know we, you, we talked also about in um, some notes about things that we can also put into place um, to help policing in Dominica. And I yes. think um, one, of, one of the things we talked about is de-escalation. So I know we went back to the mask scenario. And again, Mr. George talked about the levels of force and police officers all around the world understand how force is supposed to be used. Um, but I think sometimes it's hard to, to separate your, your personal attacks from your job. So, you know, citizens have to also remember that police officers are human. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you can tell police officers what they have to do all you want. But if you're antagonizing a police officer or making... So people say, people say it to me all the time. I could say whatever I want to a police officer. That's absolutely true. You could say whatever you want. But your actions have consequences. And sometimes, it's, to me, it's never worth it to antagonize someone, to push them to their limit, and then be surprised that they break, because we all mm -hmm. have them. So, like I said in that scenario, the police officer may have thought he was doing his job, even if he himself may not have been wearing the mask properly. If there's going to be an exchange of, I don't need to do what you tell me, get get out of here and then it, you're rising that level like people react generally and the escalation is continuously training officers to realize like this is not worth it people are here to antagonize you don't read too much into it try to bring down the level and get back to what was your initial point was hey this is for all our safeties you're right i'll put my mask on can you do the same and it takes a lot of training for that um and a lot of oversight. Um, there's also some le less lethal force options that could be used. I know people talk a lot about, um, oh, why did they shoot him in the back? Why did they do all these things? But you also have to give the police officers options. So if they feel like in that scenario that's, that was their only option, that's also a failure on the police department, not giving them less lethal force options like a taser or like pepper spray or like proper hands, you know, certain techniques to, to elevate that force level before it gets to deadly physical force. Um, and, you know, I, when it goes to forensic science, that's what I studied. I'm a big proponent of it, but it's very expensive. So if Dominica doesn't have the funding to put proper things in place where they can send <coughs> fingerprints, they can have a database. DNA, I don't even think we're on that. We're, we're there yet. That's like- Nope, it has to be sent out. Um, yeah. I think we can start off with cameras and 
video evidence is a large part of how we solve crime in large mm -hmm. departments. And I think just having that and being able to put that out, even if we don't have body-worn cameras, if we encourage store clerks and businesses to start installing cameras, and then we maybe install some cameras ourselves, like not necessarily government control, but police department control cameras, then we can also close out investigations very quickly instead of relying on word of mouth and hoping that we respond. And so we can see what police officers are doing in real time. Absolutely. It also helps with supervision. So that's, that's some of the points that I wanted to say that we can probably look into is investing in CCTV and monitoring. And like I said, when, when there's some, when we can look at things in real time, there'll be less of an argument as to what actually happened because mm -hmm. we can all see. And then we can bring people to proper justice and not, oh, yeah, I saw him. Because we know eyewitness testimony yep. also in itself is problematic because people mm -hmm. don't always remember what actually happened. So. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant. Great recommendations. As a matter of fact, Alvin Thomas says, uh, Lieutenant Francis is quite good. I could not agree more. And uh, Mr. George, let me come over to you. And I want to make sure we touch on International Democracy Day tomorrow and the role of the police. So I want to make sure we touch on that point before we wind down for the evening. So, Mr. George, I know you have and a Simone, lot to say, yes. so let's go ahead and bring yes. you into the discussion. Simon, just before you go to Mr. George, um, I think we have a call yes. online too. Okay, Mr. George, one minute. We have a call. Thanks, um, Sean. All right, the caller is gone. Okay, Mr. George? Yes, um, I, I would just, I agree with Lieutenant Commander Francis, but um, in terms of recruiting, but I would just suggest a little amendment. Not that every. Right, Mr. George, just, just hold on there for a bit. Can I find a good night? Yes, good night, good night, good night. Good night. And um, what I find is that the, the, the last caller that called a while ago, I think he should be more flexible and more reasonable. Because I say that to say that. He said that the, the lead of the opposition say stones more send down like rain falling. But he forget he just heard a while ago that where the prime minister said that if you meet somebody in on the plane, in a supermarket, in a funeral, just walk up to them and tell them they are traitor. So even case my mother, so even case my mother die and somebody come in and tell me that, I find well that is that is, is provocation, that is inciting. Yeah. You understand? So that is bad. So we have to be flexible with the callers and them. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Mr. George, let's come to you. And let's not forget um, Hermelina's question about the age for police officers in Dominica. So do you have any insight on that? <clears throat> yes, she asked, do they have a certain age to be a police officer in Dominica? Because as far as I can see, most of the police officers are like kids. Uh, well, yes. We are, remember, we are in the little isle of the, of the world. And therefore, our youth tells on our face because of the country we live in. Okay. Okay, but the law does uh, stipulate that you must be 18 years and over. So you get recruited between the ages of 18 and 30. Um, past 30, the commissioner does have uh, the discretion uh, for special uh, dispensation to, uh, to employ somebody beyond the age of 30. That, and that's stipulated in law. 
Okay, so the age for employment is not 17 years and six months or 11 months, two days. Uh, there was an officer who commenced um, training and it was found that he was 17 wow. and two months and he had to be released. And when he attained the age of 18, he was uh, recruited in the next court. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the age is 18. Thank you. Yes, your and comments. The, the commissioner has a, has a discretion to employ, to recommend the employment or to employ. Mm -hmm. I, I was mentioning that I would like to ask Lieutenant Commander Francis just to uh, amend a little bit. Uh, everybody can recruit. Uh, everybody can recommend. Everything else you said was correct, but everybody else can recommend. So I have no problem. I never had a problem because it's a, it's a, it's a wide saying in Dominica that the policemen are being recruited by politicians. Um, they're not being, well, they shouldn't be recruited by policemen, by politicians, but recommendations from politicians and anybody else can be made. But there's a process that is adhered to on the recruitment side of things in Dominica. All right? And I, I, and I had to submit to that, and other police officers have had to submit to that. And when we when we engage too much with the, the saying that the politicians employed or recruited, and the way that we say it, it almost connotes that, and you, you, you alluded to it, that the, the officer, after training, is beholden to the minister. And that is where the question of integrity comes in. Why is a minister wanting a police officer in his back pocket when he's elected to pass laws? He's going to ask the citizens to obey the law, but yet he wants a couple officers to be doing his bidding as far as law enforcement is concerned, because that is the sole duty of the police officer who is, who is recruited and employed. So anyhow you want the police officer to be, to be beholden to you is to give you a break. So you are anticipating that you're going to violate the very law that you passed in parliament. And I think that is where the issue of integrity comes in. So I, I do not subscribe to that part that the, 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 the politician has to have a, too much of a say in the, the running of the force. But the police act does acknowledge that the minister has administrative and managerial responsibilities for the police force. Okay, because the, 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 to get the money from cabinet, not cabinet, from parliament, for the running of the police force, it must go through a process. But the expectation is not for the minister to believe that because he is responsible for the day-to-day -day administration and management of the police force, that the police force now must do his bidding, illegal bidding, I, I, I must add. If it is to enforce law, fine. But if it is to ask for unnecessary favors, then it is bad. And it is wrong. It ought not to happen. And that is that, that is the perception that exists here in Dominica at the moment. Okay. Um, one of the callers mentioned uh, and addressed it directly to me, I think, that we as senior, former senior officers, should dialogue with the younger officers in the police force. And I agree with him a hundred percent. But then we must be given the avenue to do so. 
I couldn't just leave my house and go to Bath Road and enter police headquarters and begin a conversation. I can go there because I was a former police officer. I can go to the bar and having um, refreshments, beverages, and then engage informally. But the question of former officers, you know, Dominica has now what? Mr. Darum, Mr. Lestrade, Mr. Blanchard, Mr. Carrett, I think four former commissioners of police. There are about two former deputy commissioners of police. <coughs> and we have in excess of six former superintendents of police that are retired and they are available. And I believe that would be a wonderful resource uh, that the commissioner of police could bring in as friends of the commissioner where we dialogue and can dialogue with him and his command as well as the rank and file of the police so we share experiences. So I, I agree with the caller entirely and I want to say I am volunteering to be on that group that goes in. Not to tell police officers what to do because the way they police it now and the way I police then, and like you heard the caller accuse me of being in an era where we didn't do it right. Hmm. Uh, I want to apologize if that is a perception, I apologize to you and the public. But we can share experiences and it needs, it is needed in, in Dominican circumstance. Yeah, and we also must keep in mind that that is part of the best practices, Mr. George, because your experiences and what you've learned from those experiences are important to pass on to the next generation of police officers. Yes, and um, like I said, I am quite willing, and I know that there are other police officers who are willing. It happened at one point when I was in service. It happened where senior police, former police officers were invited to police headquarters uh, formally to have discussions. Informally, uh, police officers benefit from the experiences of former officers uh, on a daily basis. But I, I think it can be formalized. On Ireland, you have Mr. Blanchard, you have Mr. Daru, you have Mr. Lestrade, you have uh, Mr. Alfred, Mr. Hobbs, John Baptist. They are on Ireland. You have myself, you have Mrs. Alexander, you have Mr. Pumas Peters, you have Mr. Lockie, Mr. Um, Hansel Valerie, you have Mr. Pielwe, on Island. Mm -hmm. All retired after serving in excess of 38 years, some 41, 42 years. So cumulatively, you can see the, the amount of experience that is there. So yes, we can share it. And that is that should be one of the best practices. And I would be um, an advocate for that. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to make sure we touch on, yes, Lieutenant, go ahead. I also just want to say one of the best practices is also recruiting female officers. In yes, very important. Equal representation of the genders. Yes. yes. So there's a lot of men that you mentioned, Mr. George, former <laughs> police commissioners. I haven't heard one female. Yeah. And um, I think, too, there's also, I also teach a course at John Jay College, Women in Policing, and mm -hmm. there's growing research that shows the introduction of women in policing has decreased the level of, you know, complaints of misuse of force in police mm -hmm. departments. So maybe if we have more female officers on the street mm -hmm. that have been shown to have more compassion and use, utilize de-escalation techniques, maybe we wouldn't have had the issue with the mask in, in Roseau or wherever it occurred. So I'm just 
I'm just advocating. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely I right. Uh, I did call um, uh, Mrs. You Alexander. You did? Yes. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately um, Mrs. Alexander did not reach to the rank of chief, but she was eminently qualified in her time at service in the police force to have reached the rank of chief of police in Dominica. I said I'm very proud of her and we need yes, and there, are other, there are other up and coming women in the police force. Um, I don't think there is a bar or there is a quota in terms of Dominica is one of the most liberal countries and um, there was a time you know when a minister of government, a man, Mr. Dyer, had asked Ms. Charles to consider changing the name um, Bureau of Women Affairs, mm -hmm. okay? Because the men were be beginning to get extinct. The leadership of Dominica at that time was held by females. Mm -hmm. okay. Dominica has done very well as far as recognizing females. So the prime minister was a female, the speaker was a female, the judge was a female, almost every permanent secretary was a female. That the permanent secretary positions exist now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost 90% of them are females as permanent secretaries. Uh, so we do have a good record in Dominica. But not in the police. Not yes, in the and that's an excellent point. We need to drive to recruit female police officers. Yes, uh, Dr. Michael, I, would, I am not asking you to, 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 to support me uh, <laughs> so that we have a male's club in this. Because we are on a panel with two men and two two wonderful ladies, I am saying there's no quota system. Uh, there's no well, you must employ twenty men and two women. Right, right. And I think that is a little more liberalized now, mm -hmm. and there are young female officers who are making their mark. And I agree with you, Commander, that probably more of them could be recruited to us to bring a, a better balance in policing in Dominica. I, I agree with that. Yes, but before we leave, guys, because our time is quickly running out, we have to talk about tomorrow as International Day <laughs> of Democracy and the role of the police department in securing the democratic rights of the citizens. So what are your thoughts on that? And as you know, um, NIDCLF, we're actively engaged in educating Dominicans about your uh, democratic rights, your human rights. So we want to co continue to encourage everyone to visit NIDCLF, that is N as in Nancy, I as in India, D as in David, C as in Charlie, L as in Larry, F as in Frank, dot O-R-G, N-I-D-C-L-F dot org. In case you are not aware of your rights, your um, democratic rights that is enshrined in the Constitution of Dominica, because I think it is about education. It is about knowing your rights and knowing, you know, what to expect. But before you guys respond, let me just take a couple of comments on Facebook as we get ready to wind down. So just your thoughts on uh, policing and uh, uh, democracy, as well as if you want to touch on the importance of commu pol uh, community policing, right? The opportunity to engage with the public. So it should not only be that we see the police when there's a crime. It should not only be that we see the, the police where there, when there's something to report. The police in, in, in regards to building the, the trust that we talked about, 
they have to engage in the community in other ways. So just your thoughts on these, your closing thoughts, and let's take a couple of comments quickly before we end. So David Johnson says, there are too many criminals hiding behind the badge and the uniform of the police department. These individuals have no business being in charge of overseeing and enforcing laws in Dominica. Let's take some more comments. Uh, Pini says, a policeman shot a guy in front his parents, Andy, the chief of police, kept silent. Alvin Francis, uh, Alvin Thomas, yeah, you said um, Lieutenant Francis is great. Herman James, in no jurisdiction law should a police officer have the right to practice search and seizure on citizens as the Constitution protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures. If the laws in Dominica condones this, irrational behavior that law requires amending. Thank you, Herman. Eagle Mike, Lieutenant Commander Francis, if I'm elected in Dominica, I offer you the top cop job. <laughs> Will you accept? I'll accept it. <laughs> Dorian, but they're being recruited by the politicians to, the to do the politicians' dirty work. How could the chief of police have a recruiting list and hand it to the politician and the politician sending their list. Philip Allen, great to see you. Thank you for being here. He says, great show, Lieutenant Francis contribution, very good. Uh, Marshall Lawrence, good evening. The interpretation of Dominica's constitution also must be reviewed every so often and be better clarified so citizens will understand at best. Civil rights is top priority. Alvin, unfortunately, that's the prescription that is given, Mr. George, and perception sometimes becomes reality. Let's see, Gina Francis, not in dresses and skirts, so she wants the uniform to be changed. Let's take a comment. Uh, John, John Pierre, for us to have a good police office, the country must have a good police academy. You will encourage young men and women while in school to attend the academy when they are graduated, you will have good police officers in the country. And Alvin says, especially as it relates to human rights, rights of peaceful assembly as enshrined in Article 21 of the UN Convention, law enforcement in Dominica need to familiarize themselves with these conventions. So Facebook Live, our callers on the radio, thank you so much for your incredible contribution to this conversation. So let's come over to the panel one more time. Mr. George, let's begin with you as we wind down and we talk about community policing, the importance of you know the, the police to engage with the community and as well as protecting democratic rights. Yeah, um, the police has a role to play in the um, enhancement or the strengthening of democratic principles in a country. Uh, the citizens look at the police as, uh, how you call it, a buffer between the politicians and the citizen. So one, when the citizens cannot get to the politicians, they sometimes get to the policeman. And they say it's the policeman who keeps the, the politician in office by their action. So they do have a right. Now, I had, when I was at work, um, as a supervisor, I would say, well, if I'm having meetings, and the police force is not a democratic institution in its daily activities. 
but by its activities, it enhances the maintenance of democratic principles uh, in a country. What, what do I mean by that? As a superintendent, I'm having a meeting with subordinates. I do not have to always have a show of hand in a meeting for me to make a decision. All right? There are times when I have to make a decision as a commander and take responsibility for the decision and probably offer my resignation if it goes wrong. But if it goes right and it was um, predicated on information coming from a subordinate, I must share the praise with the subordinate and recommend that person for uh, um, advancement. Okay, so the police has a critical role in the maintenance of democratic principles in, Dom in Dominica or in any country. So for instance, when you have elections, their role to ensure that law and order is maintained that all the politicians and throughout the processes of election uh, is critical to making sure that we, we have a free and fair election. So their role there, right there, at the beginning of the formation of a government. In terms of community policing, when I was at work, I assisted in authoring the police community community policing plan with Dr. Peter Seja, uh, the Commissioner of Police, and Mr. Hobson Baptist. And in every, and I also wrote on the appraisals, helped to form the appraisal system for the police force. And in every work plan, there was uh, a statement requiring that a policeman, every policeman must be appraised on the role in community policing in Dominica. All right, so that, that is this. So I, I, I support that. The community policing concept is one that must be enhanced, in one that must be followed. You may have to have new practices, as Dr. Uh, Michael has said. We might have to change from the, having done the same thing all over, all the time we need to change. But the concept, basic concept, must be adhered to. Uh, somebody mentioned stop and search, and I think that's where I'm going to end. Stop and search. And yes, partially agree the person that stop and search of a citizen on the road without the authority of a search warrant, it, it might come down to a violation of the rights of the citizen. But because of the responsibility placed on the police, it is also necessary for the police to have that authority, that discretion. And it is not one that should be used lightly. But remember, every action of the police is questioned or tested at a court of law. So let's take, for instance, that the police has information that somebody's just committed a murder. And he's pointed to this fellow who's going down the road, and he has reasonable grounds to believe that person was involved. And the person is escaping with a firearm. And he accosts that person. It is reasonable for the police to search to find if that person holds the firearm. If it is grievous bodily harm, does he have the knife on it? It doesn't end there, though. The evidence has to be given before a court of law where it is now tested as to whether his action was reasonable. So no, I would not say that it is wrong to have on our law books the right for a police officer to stop and search somebody he reasonably believes may have committed an offense or is about to commit an offense. 
but that discretion must be used sparingly uh, and um, with care, due care and attention. Yes, thank you, Mr. George. Thank you for your contribution. Uh, Dr. Michael, I especially want to thank you. It's probably about 3 a.m. in uh, the UK right now. So thank you so much for being willing to stay up with us this late to make a contribution to the program. So your thoughts? Okay, so I agree with the uh, caller who, who spoke about um, having practical uniforms for female officers. Mm -hmm. so, uh, in terms of operational policing, probably skirts are not very practicable most of the time. And I do believe that Dominica women officers should be given the option of uh, wearing trousers most of the time for operational reasons. I'm not trying to score points with Mr. George, but just in the same way I have to acknowledge that sexism played a big part in policing in the United Kingdom and in London for a while and it's, uh, uh, it took us a while to acknowledge and, and, and treat women fairly in terms of recruitment and advancement and uh, being recruited into specialist department. I'm sorry, but the information, the intelligence and the evidence in Dominica is that for too long, sexism um, played a big part in the Dominica police force and I only hope that it's improving rapidly presently. In terms of uh, human rights and community policing, they're intertwined. Mm -hmm. Because if you engage with your local community, uh, the community in Roseau, Portsmouth, Belvish, Chopin, Collyhose, uh, uh you have to have a visible presence. You need police officers to walk in those communities. If you drive a vehicle, park your vehicle up. Mm -hmm. Talk to the bartenders, talk to the people uh, who are selling uh, uh, food or whatever it is. It's amazing what you will pick up by just having innocent conversations with citizens. So you need to engage, you need to be in the communities, in the towns, in the villages, just having conversations with people, walking around the market, walking around the streets, talking to shopkeepers and business owners, and uh, also working with those communities to identify the priorities in that area. That's where the democracy is, is completely intertwined with community policing. And community policing isn't about a minister having a... A, a fanfare with press and media. It's not about a senior police officer uh, just talking about it. It's about embedding it so that every day, whether it's the superintendent or the inspector that deploys people, know they're going out there, they're engaging, they're talking with local residents and businesses and uh, making it not just a, a, a conceptual thing, but a, a reality and understanding. As I said at the beginning, it doesn't matter how well-trained or how well-equipped the police service is, unless you are engaging and having community participation and uh, involvement, you will not get the best uh, results as a police service.
Yes, very well said. Thank you, Dr. Michael, and thank you for staying up with us. Lieutenant Commander, over to you. Hi. Um, so we are talking about democracy, and the literal definition is rule by the people. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about protecting democracy. Police officers, your entire role is really to protect the people and to be one with the people. And if there's ever a, a culture where the police feel like it's us versus them, we're not doing our job. And I think, like Dr. Michael said and Mr. George said, we have to come together and we have to be an integrated into the community to help solve the problems in the community. It can't be, I'm the police officer, do what I say. It has to be, I'm the police officer, I'm here to, to help you solve your issue, mm -hmm. your public servant, that's literally how we call police officers. So a servant serves the people. And if the people feel like you're not serving them, then you're serving no purpose. And that's what needs to be like, you know, memorialized in their minds that I'm here for the people. I'm not serving politicians. The politicians are really supposed to be serving the people as well. So at the end of the day, that's what we always, we always need to focus on. And going back, we have to get back to the basics. Like we cannot be a good police force in Dominica if we don't know the basics of policing, which starts with responding to complaints. That's yes. just basic, knowing how to talk to people, how to get information from people to investigate and then move forward. So before we can even try to implement any sort of advanced technology, we just have to go back to being people. You just have to go back to knowing, well, I took this job because I want to help people. How do you help people? Sometimes sometimes people call 911 because they just want to talk to you. Well, that's just basics. That's just people wanting to tell you what's going on. And if you brush them off, we can't even talk about adding anything else because you can't even listen, you know. And to me, like, policing is like a marriage. And they always say one of the foundations of a good marriage is communication. You're married to the public. And if you're not communicating with the public, you don't let them know what's happening. Um, crime reporting is important. Letting them know, hey, this occurred. This is what we've done. This is our response. We need the public's help. If the public, aren't, if they're not hearing these statements from the police officers, they are also going to feel a separation. And they're going to feel like, well, this marriage isn't for me. I don't want to be in this. And then it's just going to be butting heads. So that's that's all I want to say. I think Dominica just can just start back with the basics and just learning how, how can I be part of my community and make them know that I'm here for you. If I'm patrolling the village of Sufria, everyone should know me. People should have my number. They should be calling me saying, hey, I saw this weird person having a marijuana grow house. Okay, great. I have that information. What do I do with this information now? Well, let me call my superintendent. Let them know this is what was reported. And then just basic. Just basic communication. Let's start with communication. Mm -hmm. Let's get people's trust. And you can only gain trust by talking to people. So that's my you know, that's my two cents. Yes, yes. Thank you. Lieutenant Commander Rene Francis, NYPD, New York uh, Police Department, uh, Dr. David Michael, Scotland Yard, out there in the UK, uh, Mr. Nicholas George, Superintendent, retired from the Dominica Police Department. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to lend your expertise 
to this conversation. I hope that, uh, you know, as Mr. as Dr. Michael said, you know, they record all Q95 programs. So I'm hoping that the powers that be will not just listen, but will implement. And I especially like that Mr. George mentioned the importance of tapping into those retired police officers such as himself who are ready, who are ready to be a part of the conversation. And we just hope that for once and for all, we can remove politics out of the equation. So those who are ready to serve like Mr. George can be a part of this conversation. So again, thank you for being here for Roots Connections on Q. I am Simone Matthew. It has been great to um, have you on board for this conversation. Facebook, thank you so much. I see we still have comments coming in. Um, Marlon says, I witnessed three occasions, Dominica police officers consuming alcohol in uniform or drunk on the job or drunk in uniform, are we missing out something here? Omar Monel, great to see you. I know you joined late, but remember, for anyone who joined us late, you can always go back to the beginning of the program on Q95 FM Radio on Facebook so you can see the entire program. Sandra Norris, this was such a positive and very informative program tonight. Lieutenant Commander Francis gave some very important advice and information. I do hope we will begin to see some kind of change with the Dominica Police and I think all of our panel members gave great information. So thank you guys for being here on the Facebook Live and thank you for all your comments. So we will be back in two weeks uh, for another episode of Roots Connections on Q as we tap into the expertise of our Dominican brothers at home and abroad to explore changes in our world. Earl Bruno, I see you. Good evening to you. Um, as we continue to explore those changes, how is the world around us evolving and changing? And what are the potential benefits of these changes? So don't forget to follow Q95. Don't forget to follow Push Past 10 on Facebook. And don't forget for all the best in programming, you can head on over to q95da.com for live as well as recorded programs of our uh, programming here on the big station. So again, to the panel, you can unmute your mic to say good evening to everyone. And I want to thank you for being here. Uh, DJ Shan, thank you for taking the calls. Uh, Sherwin Norris, thank you for keeping us connected. Until we meet again uh, next week, Will Charles, I see you. Everybody's jumping in at the last minute. So thank you for being here. And everyone, you have yourself a pleasant evening. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank good you. Night. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, good. Joe! Joe! Rastafari!